Well, all right. Well, great to see everybody. If you are new here today at Center Point, my name is John Hansen. I'm lead pastor here. I'm glad you're our guest, and I hope that you would experience a life-changing connection with Christ. That's what we're praying for. And uh, yeah, make sure you stop by the Connection Center after service, and we can say hello and help you get connected here. So this, uh, this is the last message in the Encounters series. And you know, the other day I was, I was uh, talking to some friends, and this one buddy asked me, uh, you know, part of a larger conversation, but said, you know, how, how come you started playing the guitar? What inspired you to start playing guitar? And that was something, you know, I'd never really thought about it much, but as soon as he asked me the question, instantly I had this memory, like, surge to the front, and, and I put the pieces together, and I'm like, that's it. I've never thought about it, but, and I told him about this thing, and basically, uh, back in the day, when I was a college student, I was a Cutco knife salesman. Any, anybody going to give a shout out for Cutco? Come on. No, I know I wasn't the only one. <laughs> you either were selling it or buying it or being forced to. Anyway, so I went uh, to this one guy's house and made my pitch and, you know, told him about how terrible his old knives were and, you know, cut the rope, cut the leather, cut the penny, you know, did all the stuff. And, um, and, and then he bought uh, a knife or two, something like that. But the thing is, the whole time I was talking to this guy, I was bothered because he had these fingernails. On, 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 on this one hand, he had these massive fingernails, and I had no idea what that was all about. And the whole time I'm doing the knife thing, I'm just wondering, what is this? You know, does he have like some kind of booger problem? He needs a set of pickers? Like, what is this? Is it earwax, or does this have something to do with drugs? Like, what's going on? And uh, at the, after, after he made the purchase of the knives, I asked him, I was like, hey, I just got to ask you, you know, the fingernails. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, okay, all right. I know it looks kind of odd, but uh, do you got a minute? And I'm like, yeah. He said, okay. And then he went to the other room and he got a guitar and he brought it back and he said, I'm a guitarist. And then this guy, he's probably, you know, mid 40s or so and, and well accomplished and, and began to play this guitar in the Spanish flamenco style. It was like Gypsy King's private concert right in front of me. It was awesome. And I just sat there mesmerized watching this guy play that guitar guitar, and it made such an impression on me. I, I was just like, I got to do that. I got to do that, you know, and then he put the guitar in my hands, and he started showing me a thing or two, and I just knew I needed to figure out the guitar, so I went uh, after that, and I got a guitar, and went back to college, and I would sit in the stairwell, and every night, you know, croon away, and play the guitar, and it's great, because inside of a cement stairwell, everything sounds great, so anyway, <laughs> You know, it was, it was an encounter that I had with this, this amazing guitar player, and, and, it, and it did something to me. It made such an impression on me. But I had to follow up that encounter with a way of life that would reflect what happened in that encounter. And I had to ca carry out my own lifestyle of lots of other encounters with a guitar so that I could be able to say, yeah, I play the guitar. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to do anything with a guitar except maybe have one in a case covered with dust in a closet somewhere. Maybe that hits too close to home for somebody. But anyway, it, that, that one encounter had, had to be followed up by a, a lifestyle where there's lots of encounters that allowed something to develop, something to grow that is something life-giving for me. It's one of my favorite things to do is just come in early and grab a guitar and start playing that and, and worshiping God, whatever. But this is the idea in the message today, that 
that, that we have an opportunity to, to set it up in our lives so that there are ongoing encounters with God that build into our lives the, the richness that our own soul craves that takes us beyond mere religion and takes us into the depths of a friendship with God. And that's really what we're after. And so in this series, Encounters, what I've been hoping is that we'd all catch a glimpse of just how beautiful it can be when we as human beings get to have an encounter with God. And, and what we've seen in this series is that there's no one way that an encounter looks. I mean, it's different uh, all the time throughout the scriptures. The encounters with God happen in lots of different ways, and we should expect that, that there's no simple formula for, well, here's what an encounter with God looks like. You find that it's lots of different kinds of ways. And, and what I'm hoping is that we would realize together that it is in the encounter with God that our soul begins to experience the power of, of, of an anchor that's tethered to hope. I mean, that's what happens when you have an encounter with God. Your soul is, is anchored to hope. Your, your spirit is filled with the fuel that you need for a life of overcoming and victory. I and mean, that's why I'm passionate about you and I being people who would experience encounters with God. And I'm hoping that today, as we wrap up this series, that we'll understand just a little bit more about how to move in that direction. So I'm going to ask you to turn to Exodus chapter 33. So Open up your Bible, hope you brought one, or open up your Bible app on your device and get over to Exodus chapter 33. Who's been reading Exodus the last few weeks? One sister, yes. Okay, a couple of us, right? Well, in case you haven't been reading Exodus the last couple weeks, just to catch you up right before we jump into Exodus 33. Big picture, you know, God's people, the Israelites, had been in Egypt as slaves and crying out because of the difficulty of it. And God sends in Moses, and Moses comes in and does the whole let my people go thing, and uh, inspired Charles, what is Heston, whatever, something, something. Anyway, too early for that. I don't know why I even tried. Anyway, the, the moment happens, they get set free from Egypt, they're now in the wilderness, and uh, this is several million people, and Moses is leading the charge, and they're heading towards the promised land. And right before what we're about to read, Two significant things happened. One is God gave the people the Ten Commandments and the rest of the, the initial part of the covenant. And that was a beautiful, powerful thing. And God also gave the instructions to Moses, build a tabernacle in the middle of the camp, big old tent. We're going to have worship, public worship together over there. So those are the things that have been happening. And they're in the, the wilderness. And with all that in mind, uh, let's, let's dive into this scripture together in Exodus chapter 33, at verse 7. So it says, It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. And they would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. 
And afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. I want to just jump back to verse 7, and I want us to break it down together and, and understand a few things. So why don't you just read verse 7 out loud with me, nice and strong. Ready? Go. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Okay, so this is a description of something that Moses was just in the habit of doing. One translation says, Moses used to do this, as in on an ongoing basis again and again, it's just what he did. And in this translation, it was his practice to do it. And sometimes the things that we choose to put into practice really have a defining, shaping effect on the rest of our lives. And I wanted to ask anybody today, if you have some things that, you've, that you're putting into practice right now that are helping you to come into a closer awareness of the presence of God, because that's really what's happening here. This tent of meeting is important, but, but big picture, right? I just shared with you that a couple chapters earlier, God had spoken and said, I want you to set up the tabernacle. It's actually the same exact Hebrew word for the tabernacle as the tent of meeting. It's the same word. It's ohel mod. It's the same exact word, but it's a different thing. Okay, so the tabernacle is, is the big tent of meeting that's going to be in the center of the camp, and it's where public Corporate worship is going to happen for all the Israelites. But this is something different. Same Hebrew word, but it's outside the camp, some distance away from the camp. And it's something that Moses himself is able to set up. It's, it's not the big tabernacle for everybody. It's something set apart and private where a personal encounter can take place. And Moses was in the practice of setting that up. And what I see here is a value that's being established through Moses, who's your daddy in the faith, at least one of them, from Abraham through to Moses, through to David, through to Jesus. I mean, he's our forefather, right? And he's in a sense saying, look, there's a priority for the personal experience of an encounter with the presence of God. Don't you miss it. Oh yeah, the tabernacle's going to be here, and the big tent of public corporate worship meeting, it's going to be great. It's going to be amazing, but that's not enough. You can't just be waiting for church service to come. There's got to be a way in which in your own life, you're cultivating this, this personal experience with the presence of God. You can't just wait for the priests to do it for you in the tabernacle. Set it up. Set it up. Moses was in the practice of setting up this tent of meeting. You know, this tent of meeting, who knows exactly what it would have looked like, but I just maybe want you to conceive of it. It probably looked a little bit something like this. This is, a, you know, architectural uh, reconstruction of what it might have looked like, probably with some curtains down in the front for a little bit of privacy. But can you just imagine, you know, Moses walking in there and then whoosh, this cloud begins to come. <laughs> it's a pretty powerful thing to just imagine even but it was taking place this is what the scriptures revealed and that sense of of the presence of God was physically manifest by these this cloud that would come and if you've ever if you've ever wondered you know what is it like when God comes it's a lot of different things but this is one of them it, this this tent of meeting thing it's really important and so what I wanted to tell somebody today is, it's time for you to pitch your tent. 
I really want you to hear this. And, and, and it's something that we get to take a cue from Moses in regards to and put it into practice also. To be in the practice of, of setting it up. Somebody say, set it up. Set it up. That tent didn't erect itself. That, that priority for a time and place where he could personally meet with God didn't just happen by autopilot. It took some intentionality. And, and that's really what we're talking about is not just thinking about encounters with God as something that, well, I hope that happens one day, sometime, somehow. But instead, being people that would say, what could I do to, to do my part with regards to an encounter with God. Here's what I know. You cannot force or fabricate an encounter with God. It's not possible. He's God. He, he does not come at your beck and call. It's not like that. You can't force an encounter with God to happen. But what you can do is you can set it up in your life so that it will be more likely that you could experience his presence. And here's the baseline for this whole idea in this series. It's a simple promise from God in James 4, 8. And it just says this. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. James 4, 8. I want you to think about this simple promise with me and I want you to say it out loud. Ready, go, say it. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is, keep it up on the screen for a minute. This is a reflection of something God desires. And it is his promise. And so, yeah, I can't force or fabricate an encounter with God, but I could do this. I could draw near to him. And as I do, I can have a, a full anticipation that he'll also draw near to me. And don't you want that? I want that in my life. I want the presence of God to draw near to me because I know what comes through his presence, the power of his love, his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his peace. I want it. And it comes as you draw near. This is the baseline for this idea of an encounter. And so back into, into Exodus 33, it's about, it's about taking some responsibility to set it up. I mean, just go back to that verse 7 for a moment. Let's drill down on it again. It says, it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. This is what you and I have the opportunity to do. We get to do it. And it matters. Don't you think it matters? Your spiritual life, does it matter to you? The state of your soul, does it matter to you? What's going on with your spirit? Does it matter to you? I think it matters, and if something matters, it's worth giving some in, intentionality to it. And in a sense, the, the main idea of this message is just this. Give attention to the spiritual dimension, and make time to meet with your maker. We live in a highly materialistic world where it just seems like the only thing that matters is what I can buy, what I can grab hold of, what I can eat, what I can watch on the screens, but there's something so much more profound that matters and it's the spiritual dimension. The scripture reveals that there's so much more going on in any moment than we could even know. But give some attention to that spiritual dimension. But more importantly, make some time to meet with your maker. I mean, you're going to meet him one day anyway. Might as well get acquainted now. <laughs> I'm sorry, that sounded threatening. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> but listen, this is the privilege that we have of getting to know our God. But we, we get to also make some choices with our life to make some time to meet with our maker. And, it, and we get to give this attention and take our cue from Moses doing it. Again, it said in verse 7, it was Moses' practice to take that tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. 
Everyone say some distance. You know, I have a conviction that as believers, if you are a believer in Jesus, like we have a, a glorious privilege, which is to experience God's presence everywhere, all the time, at work, right there where, at your desk, and right there in that classroom, right there in that hospital hallway, at the nurse charge station, right there at that business meeting, right there at, at that job site, whatever the case may be. Yes, we've got that. It's a privilege, and never to be overlooked. But there is also something different that takes place in a tentative meeting kind of a moment. In, a, in an experience that is some distance away from the camp. I think you can meet him in the camp, and that's wonderful. But it's not alone enough. Okay, so the camp, right? Think about it. The camp in this situation, the camp is where all the hustle and the bustle and the business and the work and the tasks and the, and the to-do lists and all the stuff has got to happen. That's the camp. And, and, and there's something beautiful about carving out a time and place where there's some distance between all of that. And in that, in that distance, you get, you get a, a different kind of an experience with God. And you and I are made for that to experience a tentative meeting kind of moment with God. So here's my question for you. I know this is a little bit of a metaphor, but where's your tentative meeting? Where is your tentative meeting? Some people talk about it from a, a, a New Testament language, talking about it as the secret place, because Jesus referenced it that way, a secret place where it's just you meeting with God. You can meet him also during all the busyness, but I mean that time, it's just some distance away from everything else where it's carved out, like this is my 10 minutes or 25 minutes or one hour or whatever you can do, but where's your tent of meeting? I know that for some of you, you'd be able to tell me right now if we were sitting over a cup of coffee, you'd say, here's the deal. For me, that tent of meeting is, you know, at the end of the day, before I go to bed, I go over in, in the empty room on the side of the house and I just meet with God. And I'd say, that's awesome, because I know that you are digging into the deep well and gaining what your spirit really needs. And others of us, you might be going... I don't even know, what do, you, what do you mean? Where's my tent meeting? Was there a camping trip you were planning? <laughs> no, like, you know, this is, but this is you and me beginning to take responsibility for our own spiritual life and to set it up some distance from the camp. Where's your tent of meeting? I'm, I'm asking you to determine today to do it, to set it up. And, and you could do it. You could set up that tent of meeting. And maybe for somebody it needs to be in your car, in your driveway, Right when you get home from work for 10 minutes before you go into the house and you say, God, this is my tent of meeting moment with you. Just say it like that and just begin to say, God, I need you. I am full of pressure from the day I need you, God. God, do you have anything to say to me? You know, you let it be a, a moment where you do that James 4, 8 thing. You draw near to God and trust him to do his part, which is to draw near to you. He said it. It's true. Maybe for somebody else, that tent of meeting moment is going to need to take place right after the kids, you know, go to school and you're alone in the house and it's quiet right then. And you just take that 20 minutes before all the other stuff you got to do and you say, God, I'm meeting with you right now. Your spirit needs this. You're, you're, the depths within you are crying out for this. For somebody else, that tent of meeting moment, maybe it's going to happen in the garage, kind of in the, in the evening, right, right after dinner. And you got options, right? You could just decide, now I'm going to just kick it back and kick my feet up and watch this. But I'm telling you, there's something more life-giving that can come if you would set up 
a tent of meeting moment some distance from the camp. And, 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 and here's the thing. I know that, that you can do this. And we need to recognize the value of doing this. A couple of years ago, I took my boys camping. We went down to Rancho Cuyamaca State Park in San Diego. We did a little camping trip. And we got there early in the day, set up our tent. And then uh, I said, all right, well, let's go, you know, hike to that waterfall. And it was a beautiful day and the blue sky, but the wind was blowing, so the air was so clean. And we went and found the waterfall. We're skipping rocks. We're playing in the stream. We're jumping over the boulders, getting our feet wet. It was a great day. And then I'm like, okay, that's good. We need to head back to the campsite before it starts getting dark and get, you know, get stuff set up. And so we, we went back to the campsite, and there's you know, a bunch of campers all around. But I'm, I'm walking back. I'm going, where's my tent? Where's my tent? And I'm looking around at all the other campers. I'm like, who's the thief around here? I'm about to start running to people and, you know, it, 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 yeah, anyway, anyway, I, I, that's it. And so I'm looking for my tent, and then I realize it's not there, but I look over this way, and there's my tent, upside down, tumbled over, bashed up against some trees. Because remember how I said it was windy? <laughs> it was. And what I had not done is I had not staked down my tent at all. And that is a problem. If you're going to set up the tent of meeting in your life, you need to make sure to stake it down. You're not just giving it a thumbs up and a nod, saying, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Set it up. No, 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 no. You're going to stake it down. And what I mean is put it in your calendar and give it two reminders if you need that. Tell some people in your life about it. Hey, this is the time when I'm, I'm going to meet with God. You got a husband, a wife, tell them, listen, can we be in agreement about this? At this time, this is our 10 of meeting moment with God. Can we make sure we honor that for each other? And, and go for it. Set some stakes in it. Otherwise, it does get blown away because life happens. Things come up. Patterns change. For me, the tent of meeting moment happens best when it's first thing in the morning. That's not the case for everybody, but that's what works for me. And so for me, that means, you know, up until a couple weeks ago, 5 a.m., like that's the time that works for me. If it's, you know, I need that 45 minutes, an hour or something like that. And, uh, and so anyway, what happened was a couple of weeks ago, some, somebody said, hey, why don't you start working out with us? Because I think they heard that I was working out by myself, which means I go to the gym and I'm like, one, two, Okay, I'm done. <laughs> you know, when you're alone, nobody cares. And <laughs> so anyway, they invited me to come start working out with them. And they said, yeah, we work out at 5 in the morning. And I'm like, great, I'll be there. But what that meant was, man, my tent of meeting is going to kind of get messed with here. I got a choice to make. And so for me, that meant putting the stakes in that tent, right? And, and what I had to do is go, that means I'm getting up at 4, and that might sound you know, late to some of you who got to commute and you got to get to L.A. By, but for me, that's a, an hour earlier than I would used to get up. But, and what that means is I got to set uh, four alarm clocks, you know, two on clocks and two on phone. <laughs> like I got, but that's putting a stake in it. That's making sure that that tent doesn't just blow away. It matters. And so this is part of, for me, what it looks like to give some attention to the spiritual dimension and make time to meet with my maker it matters because of what happens in that moment. It matters and it's powerfully important. And here's why. Because when you have that tent of meeting moment, you're able to get that which your soul craves and needs more than anything. Let me just share with you eight things that you can get in a tent of meeting moment. You, you could get 80, but let me just start with eight and see if maybe one or two of these aren't something that you could use a second helping of. 
So first of all, you come into that tent of meeting moment and you get relief. Relief. Relief from the pressure. Relief from the stress of it all because there's a bunch of that for some of us in there. And you come into that tent of meeting moment. You draw near to God. He draws near to you. The scripture says in 1 Peter 5, 7, Cast all of your cares and your anxieties on him because he cares for you. How are you going to do that if you're never having a moment where you could draw near? But you come into that tent of meeting moment and you pour it all out, all the burdens, and then his care begins to rush in and satisfy something deep in you that needed that satisfaction only he can give. You come into the tent of meeting moment, you find peace. Anybody living with a bunch of naughty situations? Because I'm telling you, there is peace that is to be found in that tent of meeting moment. Jesus said in John 14, 27, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you, and I'm not giving it to you the way the world does, where you got to kind of fake it and pretend that you're peaceful. No, I'm giving it to you at the deepest level of your soul. There's peace in a tent of meeting moment. There's comfort in a tent of meeting moment comfort this is what the scripture says in second corinthians 1 3 that he's the father of all mercies and he's the god of all comfort who comforts us in all our afflictions all our afflictions any of those places where you feel a little bit beaten up by the things that have been going down in your life recently come on somebody i know that there's a few of us that probably feel like man that hurt and god's saying right come into the tent of meeting get close to me i'm the god of all comfort and i will comfort you in all your afflictions but draw near Get that tent of meeting moment. There is strength in the tent of meeting moment. I know we like to pre pretend like, I got it all together. I can do everything. But maybe some of us are going, nah, man, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. I don't know how I'm going to proceed. But there is strength that's available in the presence of God. In that tent of meeting moment, you are able to receive from God a strength that will carry you. The scripture says in Isaiah 40, 31, that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And they will rise up as on eagle's wings this is god's heart it's for you to be able to just wait on him to come into that tent of meeting moment and receive strength from him that'll allow you to rise up again somebody that's what you need today come into that tent of meeting let god meet you there there's love in the tent of meeting love for some of us that have been feeling lonely and isolated and wondering whether we count, whether our life even matters, whether we matter, God's saying, you matter. I want to pour out my love on you. Come meet with me. Tent of meeting. Let's go. You find in Lamentations 3.22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercies never come to an end. I thought somebody might have said amen. Come on, I know it's early and painful because of daylight savings, but it's time to say amen when you hear something about the goodness of God heading your way. And there is insight in the tent of meeting, insight. For any of us that are looking at life situations where we don't know what to do, we're not sure what the answer really is or how to solve the problem, God's word to us in Jeremiah 33.3 is, I, 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 come to me, I will show you great and mighty things that you do not currently even know. I can do that. God can give insight. Come to that tent of meeting moment. Get the insight from him. There's courage. Some of us are staring down something that looks pretty fierce. And if it's just us, we're going to just start shaking. But God's able to give us a courage. And you come into that tent of meeting moment and you experience it. Isaiah 41.10, God speaks. says, do not fear. Do not fear. I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I'm your God. This is the tent of meeting experience that's available for you, and there's healing. For some of us that have gotten broken, 
and something is deeply messed up physically, spiritually, emotionally. God says, I'm your healer. I want you to come to the tent of meeting and experience and receive the healing that I can bring. Psalm 147.3 says he heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. This is what he does. Amen. Pastor Larry, thank you. Yes, that's right. One brother gets it. How good it is. I'm telling you, if, if, there's, if there is... No tent of meeting moment in your life. Don't be surprised if you feel like, well, I just feel so empty spiritually. I just don't even know if God cares. <laughs> My question is, where's your tent of meeting? What's going on between you and God? It was some personal time. Do you even have a time every day when you just at least say, God, here I am? I mean, because this is what we're made for. This is where our soul is going to be satisfied. And I can't do it for you. I can have my own tent of meeting for my, my own spirit, but I can't have yours for you. You've got to do that. How can I do a six-week series on encounters and, and not bring a challenge to you to say, set it up, set it up some distance from the camp? Okay, but look, in verse 8, it, it said this. It says, whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrance of their own tents, and they would watch Moses till he disappeared inside. And as he went into the tent... The pillar of cloud would come down and hover over its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and, and bow in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. You know, on one hand, what we just read, you might look at it and go, oh, well, those Israelite people were very respectful. They saw that Moses was having a holy moment, and they bowed down. Moses, wow, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, they were respectful. They were reverent. But they were missing what Moses was getting. He did this. They did that. He did this. He had this deeply personal, relational experience with God. They did that. They bowed down dutifully and reverentially and had some religion. Which do you want? What kind of person do you want to be? Which do you think is going to be more life-giving? I'm going to reverentially, religiously uh, bow down respectfully. I will do that. Or do you want what we just read here inside the tent of, inside the tent of meeting? Because this is what we really need. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. A man speaks with a friend. Another translation says they would speak like neighbors speak to each other. <laughs> this is what you really need more than anything, and you can have it. You have access to it. You do. You have access to this. It's, it's, it's not unavailable to you. In the scripture in the New Testament, we read this. It says in Hebrews 10 19, it says, And so, dear brothers, and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through that curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, Fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Oh, come on, somebody. This is the good, good news. 
Because a lot of us have believed a lie. We've felt like, oh, that thing you're describing where Moses is going in and God's talking to him face to face like a friend, you're definitely describing somebody else because that could never happen for me because look what I've done. That's what some of us believe. We believe that kind of an experience, I don't know, I just don't get it. That's for somebody else. You know, it's, that's for those people that passed the super spiritual test and got their super spiritual Christian Jedi license. It's for them, you know? <laughs> and, and no, the scriptures would say no. Our guilty consciences have been cleansed by what Jesus has done for us. And the only question is, will you take advantage of the access that he paid such a great price for? I feel like pounding the pulpit on that one. Come on. He, he paid such a great price so that you could have the access. Why would you just stand back and go, uh, no, that's okay. I don't think it's for me. He shed his blood so that you could have your guilt cleansed, so that you could have access to enter fully into his presence. Read this out loud, just that first part. Ready? Say it. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Let us go right in right into the most holy place, the presence of God. And what we saw with Moses in the desert back in the day was just a foreshadowing of what would one day be our inheritance to be able to go into that most holy place. Ah, it's what your soul is crying out for. And you're numbing it with another jack or another episode. And God is saying, come on, come on into the tent of meeting. I'm gonna satisfy something deep within you. This is what you're really made for. You know, I've, <laughs> I've been driving around uh, recently with a, with a big crescent wrench in the console cup holder of my truck. <laughs> the reason is because the other day I went to turn my car on and it wouldn't start. It just wouldn't start. I'm like, what? Ah, this is an, I didn't have the time to do anything about it. You know those moments, right? And so I just ran into the garage, and I got a wrench. I'm like, I, let me just try this. And so I opened the hood, and I just banged on the battery terminals with my wrench. And then I turned the car on, and it started. So now I'm driving around with a crescent wrench in my cup holder because I just might have to open the hood and bang on that thing, make sure it starts working again, you know. And so I've got this wackadoodle workaround, you know, instead of actually dealing with the real problem. And, and I'm wondering if maybe for some of us, we're running with some crazy kinds of spiritual workarounds, like, well, if I really get in a jam, I, I got this buddy, and he's really spiritual, and he, I call him, and he can pray for me. That's your crescent wrench in the cup holder. But can we just be done with that and begin to deal with the real issue? By the way, I haven't done it yet, but, uh, you know... <laughs> Got to take that thing in, and they got to do something. I don't know what, but they got to do something. That something in the spiritual realm is you determining to set up the tent of meeting in your own life, to take advantage of the access that's been purchased for you through the blood of Jesus, and, and to come into the presence of God and get what you need, all of his goodness, all of his mercy, all of his love. So we go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, Fully trusting him. So, if you're a believer in Jesus, I'm calling you back to the high place. The high place where you, you, you have this rhythm of life where you're coming into his presence and enjoying his goodness. Because some of you, you've been there before and you've drifted off into this kind of spiritual laziness. It's not doing you any good. It's time to get back to the things you did at first 
come back to it. And believer, this is not something that someone else can do for you. You've got to determine, I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to be a self-feeder. <laughs> I'm not waiting for another spoonful of green peas, you know. I'm going to be a self-feeder. And, and now, if you're here today, and this is all kind of new for you, which I doubt, because very few would come on daylight savings time first service, but I want you to know that you, you can enter into the presence of God by fully trusting, fully trusting in what Jesus has done so that you could be forgiven. I mean, this is where all of us begin, a, a real and legit spiritual life, is we recognize, I'm a sinner. I, I messed up. I miss God's mark, I've sinned, and I'm a sinner who needs forgiveness. I cannot fix myself. We start right there, all of us. We start at the same exact place. And we have a moment where we finally, the lights come on, we go, I need Jesus. I need his mercy and forgiveness. And we ask him for it. We say, would you forgive me? Would you save me? And then he does it. He does it because of what he did on the cross. He says, the sin's been paid for. The guilt can be cleansed. Here. And we get saved. And this starts the change that matters most. The change of our eternal destiny. And so I'm, I'm praying that for some of us, uh, maybe even right now would be the moment where we would once and for all fully trust in Jesus and receive his gift of salvation. I want you to pray with me. And can we pray together and, and ask God to, to change our lives however they need changing. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would call us, those of us who are, are believers, uh, for some of us, call us, God. We feel you calling us back into a rhythm of life where there's tent of meeting kind of moment. Often. And, and we agree that as good as it is to have the big tabernacle moment, coming to church on the weekends and all that, that that alone is not enough. It, it just wasn't ever meant to be enough. God, that you've called us to be kind of like Moses, where there's a, a priority for a personal, a personal moment of time in your presence, encounter with you. And thank you, God, for the promise of your word. You say, if, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. We believe you for that, God.